0: but we we as part of this did a warm-up series so really we've been talking about this now for four weeks and um, we kind of tried to lay some good solid foundation right and then from that foundation allow ted to uh, really build a picture of what a strong family could look like so to build upon that foundation and so as we were thinking through then how do we wrap that up how do we tie a bow in this I thought a good place to start would be to read what Jesus has to say about foundations and houses. Let's start there. Luke chapter 6 today, verse 47. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep, About 18 years ago, not about, any time you say about, and then you say a very exact number, (laughs) like, that's suspicious. So 18 years ago, um, had been in Springfield for about two years at that point, and I was looking for a summer job, and so there were some families in the church who owned a company pouring concrete. So I heard about this company. And I called him up and was very respectful. Because I just needed a job. If I didn't have a job, you don't have? Okay, good. So there's five people with a job in here. <laughs> One person was like, a wife! Anyways, okay. Alright, never mind. <laughs> Neither of those would have been possible without a job on this particular summer. And so I I uh, decided I was going to go for this company, it was a construction company, pouring concrete, and so I called him up and I said, hey, uh, hello sir, my name is Alan Beauchamp and I would, I I think I could bring value to your company, and he goes, all right, let's do an interview, and so I'm like, all right, I'll polish up the resume and I'll press the one suit that I had at the time, still the only suit that I have, and (laughs) I'll get it all ready, and I'm like ready to do this interview the next day, he goes, here's how we should do this interview, how about you just show up? tomorrow, and work with me for a day. You'll get paid. That was a key part of it. But if it works out for you, and if it works out for us, we'll keep working. Like, oh, it sounds like a good idea. So the next day I show up, didn't bring a tool at all. Like, no hammer, no belt, great foot to start off (laughs) on, Okay. So like, no tools? No. Oh, Okay so here's what i'm going to have you do our we're going to our goal is to lay out what the foundation is going to look like for this particular house you're going to set up all the boards that we're going to pour the concrete in between okay so they had already done all the excavation brought it down to a hard packed dirt it was nice and solid and so then they said now you're going to just carry the boards from here to there so you didn't bring any tools that's your job today I said, okay, I can do that. And so I start doing it. It's not too bad because we were only pouring the the footing portion. So like the boards are like this big. What's fun is when you're pouring like a uh, nine-foot basement wall. Those forms are massive and heavy, but they didn't lead with that. And I'm glad they didn't because that would have been the end. But anyway, so I instead grab these little boards and I'm carrying them and everything's going great. And about three-quarters of the way through, it starts to sprinkle. I'm like, well, that's a bummer, but it's not bad. It's a little cooling. It's fine. Then the sprinkle turned into a little bit heavier rain. I'm like, okay, I'll just hold the board above my head as I'm carrying it. It's fine. And then the heavy rain turned into torrential downpour. This is my first day there. It's an interview for me and for them. And, like, I'm working, the guy's like, listen, if we can get this form finished laying out, then tomorrow we'll be able to pour, and then we'll be able to get to the next job. So we really want to get this done today, so we're just going to push through and get it done. And it is pouring. Like, at this point, the water is rushing past my feet. You know what happens to dirt when it gets wet? It's no longer hard-packed dirt. It turns into mud. And so at first, it's a little squishy. Then it gets a little sticky. And then after sticky comes sucky. Okay? Like, sucky. Like, and and I'm carrying these things and I'm pushing through. And afterwards he told me he'll never be back. He thought, yeah, he's not coming back tomorrow. But I'm sitting here like carrying it and my shoe comes off in the mud. Okay? I didn't know that's why you're supposed to tie the laces. This is the point at which I realized that. I was transitioning from teenager to adulthood. If you're wondering how to help your kids tie their shoes, send them off to do construction, OK? So, so I'm like, my shoe comes off, and not just my shoe. It had sucked the, the, the sock off along with it. So my sock is hanging on just by my toes. Like I didn't know I could grip things with my toes. You may not have opposable toes. I don't think I do either, but somehow I was holding on to the sock by my toes, and I'm looking back, and I can't see my shoe. It's gone. And so I just stick my foot down in the mud until I feel it, get my foot back in it, and keep on working. I learned two things that day. Number one, you know, pastoring wouldn't be so bad. (laughs) People talk all the time about God's calling. It was that day call to the lord i'm pretty sure second thing why foundations are so ridiculously important because if you don't have foundation it looks real solid until the rain comes down and what was solid all of a sudden becomes not solid and what jesus says is that you better build on solid ground So we read this and we say, okay, so build on Jesus. But that's actually not what Jesus said. What he said is this. Here's the difference. Verse 49, but the one who hears and does not do them. Okay? Verse 47, everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them. I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man who builds his house on a good foundation. They both are coming to Jesus They're both hearing, what's the difference? One of them does something with it, and one of them does not. That's the only difference. Someone takes the words and what they've heard and all the good teaching, and they go, okay, I got that. I've learned it. I know it. I feel it. I even said amen to it, but I'm not going to do it. And somebody else goes, Oh, man, that hurt, and I better do something with it. Only one is solid foundation, according to Jesus. And the other one, back to verse 49, what does it say? And the ruin of that house was great. As parents, as husbands, as wives, that should get our attention. And so here's what we're trying to do is we tie a bow in this thing. Essentially, we're just saying, use it or lose it. Either we're going to take the good things that we've heard and we're going to go with it or we're not. So Saturday, I decide, I'm going to take this stuff that I heard Ted say and I'm going to run with it. So we go home, and already we're talking about, okay, Liz and I had a conversation as part of it. Okay, what do we need to change? What do we need to see happen? What, what needs to shift in our family? Because we've heard some things that have challenged us that we've never heard before this weekend. And so as we're talking about that, we, we came up with a few things very specific right off the bat. We go home, and we're sitting around the dinner table, and we're talking with our kids. And again, we learned something. No plan survives first contact with the enemy. Cuz I was going to go home and explain to my kids that our whole goal is to help preparing them for moving out. That was my plan. We're going to prepare them for adulthood. So I'm walking through this with my kids. We just want to, we're going to give you additional responsibility. And along with that will come additional freedom. And eventually you're going to move out. My six-year-old heard that he, his stuffed animal, Ruff Ruff, and Ginky were getting kicked out on the street tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I'm watching him. And he is one of those criers where it sneaks up on you. All of a sudden he's crying because he holds it back. And I'm watching as his, red, his eyes are turning just a little pink. <laughs> I don't want to go. <laughs> Not tomorrow. He goes, No, I want to live here forever. <laughs> and I said, Oh, buddy buddy, that's going to change. I have a feeling. He goes, nope. And I said, how are you going to have a family? He goes, they'll live in my bedroom. (laughs) So we've kind of shifted how we're communicating, but we are taking these things and we're moving forward with them because if we don't use it, We will lose it, right? we got to take these things and put them into action. At some point, there has to be action outside of ourselves. Even the passage we've been reading for four weeks, if you would turn there, Deuteronomy chapter 6, which is all about the heart. It's all about what's going on on the inside. Read it. It also has action attached to it. Deuteronomy 6, let's start reading in verse 4. If you didn't bring a Bible with you, there's some in your seats. And if you grab one of those, it'll be on page 151. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, here's what it says. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. What we said about that was just very clearly that God always will begin with the heart. He'll always start there. And then what he does there, he will allow that to move outward. There's a couple things we should say about that. And what we said before was do not expect God to do something in someone else in your family that he has not already done in you and the other thing i would say about that is don't nag the person to change i hate to break it to you that doesn't work i have never seen that work like all of a sudden after you've said it ten thousand times oh honey you're right that doesn't happen it doesn't work and you know what the bible says about that specifically it's talking about a wife here but i think it works either way okay i got to be careful okay so i'm saying this works either way but here's what it says about a nagging wife it is better it is better for your husband to go live in the desert than to live with you god said that okay Not me. It was God. Better for him to go into the desert. How does that conversation go? Hey, buddy. I, I think you should go out in the desert. Should I bring water? Nope. Won't I die? Yup. And it'll be better than this. That's what the Bible says. So here's the thing about nagging. I actually believe it's a gift from God. (laughs) Wrong! I mean, it's like... (laughs) It is if it's turned the right way, okay? Stop nagging your husband and turn that towards God. Same nagging, but just turn it towards him. Because where the Bible says nagging somebody else, it would be better for them to go into the desert to die. Do you know what Jesus calls that? Great faith. So turn it towards him and ask over and over and over again, God change me. God change our family. And see what he does. Jesus says it's great faith. But always begin with me. Always begin In my heart. But then it moves outward. It doesn't just affect that, it affects my relationship with my spouse. And then from there, it affects my relationship with my kids. Here we said, You shall teach them diligently to your children, you shall cut them upon the hearts, the tablet of the hearts of your children. And then you show, how do you do that? Because that's like sounds pretty complicated. Well, it's pretty easy. You just reorient the things you're already doing around a deeper purpose. You don't need to add something new to your life. Add one more responsibility. Just reorient everything you're doing around a different purpose. And it says this, you teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. But it does not stop there. It doesn't stop with your heart, or your spouse's heart, or your children's heart. It continues on, and it says, You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Now, this was interpreted literally for a long time. To this day still, if you go to Israel, you will see observant Jewish people, who on special days will do this very thing. They'll tie these things around their wrists. That is a little box that has this scripture or other scriptures or the Ten Commandments in it. And they bind one on their forehead. Same thing. Jesus, in his day, called them out for it. He said, here's your problem. The problem is, you're just doing the external. The problem is, you're making those things as big as you can so everybody will say, whoa, look how much scripture he has in his phylactery. (laughs) Wow. Right? And that's the danger. The danger is when we just do the external action and we don't have the internal already doesn't stop us from doing the external, but this is a danger that comes up all the time. It came up for me this weekend on Friday. I bring my kids directly from school to here because we had to get ready for the conference and we had to do everything. So we go to school, we pick the kids up, we come straight here. We're here, we like didn't go anywhere for food, for dinner. Somebody very kindly brought peanut butter and jelly. We weren't planning on it, but somebody very kindly made peanut butter jelly sandwiches for my kids. So they had food for dinner. Okay? then we It was my fault, not my wife's fault. Okay? I just really wanted to establish that. <laughs> she was going to take them out anyways. All right, never mind, never mind, never mind. Bring it back. You can tell I just went to a marriage conference. All right, uh, <laughs> <laughs> whoo. OK, so Friday night, then afterwards. It's long. We're trying to get out of here, but it's taken a while. And I know my kids have had a long day, and I know that we push them to the limits. And so again, being a parenting conference, I know the irony is here. I thought, there's leftover cookie dough. I should give them leftover cookie dough at the end of this long night, right? It is what it is. It happened, right? So I give them this cookie dough as we're driving home. About halfway home, I start hearing this groaning coming from the back of the van. Like my children are transitioning to undead. Like, (laughs) And then I hear a different pitch. Like, what in the world? And my kids tell me. Daddy, I think this is too much sugar. (laughs) That's when you know there's a problem. Legitimately, this totally happened. You can ask my wife. They're like, we can't eat anymore. And they say, we got cotton candy earlier. Well, I didn't know they got cotton candy. But they are... This is, And then we're trying to get them down that night to sleep. They're like in a coma, but they're not like sleeping, and it's weird. And then the next morning, we get up early in order to come to church for the conference. And they're just like, Daddy, can we watch the TV in the van? And last Sunday, I had said, Don't, when you're in the vehicle, outsource it to digital devices, right? So I'm like, you sure can, kiddos. And and as I'm reaching towards that power button, here's the thoughts in my mind. But I'll need to turn this off before we get to praise. Because if somebody's pulling in behind me, they'll see that, and they'll remember what I said. Okay? This is happening in my mind. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said very clearly, "Um, that would be a big deal. If You are living one way around the kids and a different way around the church. You are getting to the place where all of it is external and for show, and you're not doing it in reality. And there's a huge danger, and that would not have been a small thing. So that doesn't mean I didn't turn it on. I just, just brazenly, as I pulled in, I'm like, yeah, we're watching it! so we just did that. (laughs) But as much as there's a danger there, there's also a danger on the other side of it. Oh, yeah, there's a danger in just doing the external, but there is as much of a danger in listening to it and hearing it and thinking, oh, I got this because I feel it on the inside and saying amen, but not doing anything with it. Jesus said, what you've done is you built this little pretty house in your brain, but when it comes down to it, you actually haven't built a thing, and the rain will come down, and it's all going to crumble. So it says here, and I don't think this was ever intended to be literal. I think it was always intended as a metaphor. You bind it on your hands, With what you do, you bind it right between your eyes. It better affect the things that catch your eyes and what you're thinking in your brain. It needs to have an impact on what you do. And even as you keep reading, you can see it so clearly here in this passage, why it's so necessary, because here's the thing. If you look at this passage alone and not in what's around it, you get this idea that it's all just about the heart. But what it's saying here is, listen, here's the problem. You will be blessed. You can read it. Verse 10 all the way down to verse 19. Essentially it's saying, you will be blessed. And when you're blessed, it's easy to fall into just, wow, everything's okay. And if you don't know it, we are blessed in the United States. We are in a free country. And it is amazing. And yes, we've got problems. Don't get me wrong. There's a problem or two, okay? But we are blessed beyond measure. And it is easy to think in that blessing as everything's going okay with my family that I don't actually have to act upon these things. But I think there's a real danger to listening to too many podcasts and just hearing a lot of sermons and grabbing all these things that are true and good but never actually acting upon them. What that makes this weekend, this whole series, inspirational. We're not looking for inspirational. We're looking for transformational, right? And what that means is what happens on the inside cannot just stay on the inside. It needs to work its way outwards. That's what Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 says very clearly. Uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling for it is God who works in you to will and to work according to his good pleasure God is doing these things inside of you but guess what you participate and you work out what he has worked in okay you got to work it to the surface you got to work it outwards there has to be action and what Romans calls it Romans chapter 6 verse 17 says it is obedience from the heart, okay? That's a huge phrase that should catch every single one of us, not just obedience. It actually says you are no longer slaves to sin. You're no longer slaves. You're no longer forced. Now it says you are obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching, okay? Obedience that's not like an external only obedience, but an obedience that is worked out from what God has worked in. This is a beautiful picture of the way God designed this to be. At some point, there must be action. If we do not use it, we will lose it. And I love this passage because, again, even as you're reading it, you're talking about all this blessing. Skip down to verse 20 because this is what we're getting to. And I love this part of this. Verse 20, when your son asks you in time to come, What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? What a beautiful thing that is. And I I know this is hard to believe, but at some point, your child will ask you, why do I have to do that? I know. I also didn't believe it. (laughs) Why do I have to do that? Why are we different than everybody else? Why is it that our family does things that no other family that I know does? And that is a good thing. Now, it might not be as eloquent as this. What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded you? Okay, it might be more of a, ugh, why do I have to do this? Or it might be just like a, ugh. or it might be an. Actually, never mind. The eye roll thing—that's a totally different question. That's, Dad, will you please discipline me? Totally different question. <laughs> But very clearly, this is what we want. We want to get to the place where our kids will ask us, why? Because that means they are initiating the question. They are saying, after all this etching on my heart, after all this doing these things, eventually it'll get to the point where they'll ask me the question, why are we different than those around us? Why do we do these things? And that's good. And there's a couple things that jump out at me as soon as I read this. What is the meaning of the testimonies and the statutes and the rules that the Lord our God has commanded? Who? You. It doesn't say, why do you keep telling me to do these things that you're not doing? That's not the question. The question is, why is it that God has commanded you? Which means, again, we're living it first. But as we're living it, it will eventually lead to this question. But I love also the answer. It's not, because I told you so. And it's not even, God commanded it, so you do it. It's not what it says. It says, you tell them a story. Here's what it says you tell them. Then you shall say to your son, We were Pharaoh's slaves in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, and the Lord showed signs and wonders great and grievous against Egypt and against Pharaoh and all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from there that he might bring us in and give us the land that he swore to give to our fathers. Let me tell you a story. Because there was a time before I believed in Jesus Christ as my Savior. And I can to this day vividly remember the look of the room I was in when the lights were off. And I remember the thoughts that were going through my mind as I was thinking, Is this all there is? Because if so, I don't want it. It's 2000. 2000. And I was sitting in a dorm room in La Crosse, Wisconsin. And I was thinking, this is it? This is what I want? Because it seems like there's got to be something more than this. And it turns out that those questions were the Holy Spirit reaching out and calling me. And saying, oh, I have more for you. And that was the exact same conversation I had with Clara. Let me tell you a story, he says, of what God has done for us. And look around. We are so ridiculously blessed. So he created us. He's the one who made families. And he's the one who has saved this family. And he is the one who has blessed this family. Let me tell you a story. And then he doesn't stop there. And then he says, And the Lord commanded us to do all these statutes to fear the Lord our God for our good always. Oh, those are four really good words. For our good always that he might preserve us alive as we are this day it's for our good always because he wants to preserve us alive verse 25 and it will be righteousness for us if we are careful to do all these commandment before the Lord our God as he has commanded us they were never able to live up to it. So our righteousness is not a righteousness that we are earning, but it's a righteousness imparted in Jesus Christ. We have to look at this in the eyes or through the eyes of Jesus Christ. So we look at it and we see Romans 6.22 where it says, Now our righteousness is the fruit of sanctification that leads to eternal life. It's not about me earning it it's been done spoken over me and it leads to the fruit so we read this and we say this and we walk our kids through it when they come to us and ask the question and that only happens if we actually live differently you use it or you lose it and I love this. It says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as front lip between your eyes. And then it says, and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, interpreted literally. In Hebrew, the word for doorpost is mezuzot. and And the thing was, they would literally fasten these passages of scripture right at the shoulder height on their doorposts, and and it would be on the right side of the doorpost. and the thing is i still to this day when i go and somebody buys a new house and they ask me alan will you come and bless our house absolutely man i want to bless that house and i want to pray over that house and i want to see good things happen to the house and i see scriptural context for that But ultimately, this isn't just about, because when we built a house, we wrote on the studs inside of it. And that was such a good thing. But it wasn't just about writing on it as if that would make a difference. It was about the commitment that we were making that what would happen in that house. It is, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. This is a commitment And then it says, not only on your door, so you and your house will make this commitment, it's also on your gates. Do you see the kind of moving outwards of this pattern that was always designed this way as a a moving, starting in the heart and then moving its way outward, it eventually gets to the gates. Now, we think that like the gates must refer to like the external, right? Like they all have these, by the way, they didn't have any houses at this point. All of this was promised to them. But it hadn't been realized yet. This will be happening and you will have houses. But when they got the houses, it wasn't like they all had these massive estates that had gates and they'd come riding up in their little horse and buggy like one of those TV shows on PBS that every man everywhere hates. You know what I'm saying? That's not what it was. The gates were not on their own little estates. When it says gates, you know what it's referring to? The city gates. It's referring to the gates around their town. It's referring to the gates that are around their little village. And so you can see this kind of moving outward. Not only are you making a commitment as a family, but boy, even in your town this should be the commitment. In your village this should be the commitment. And here's the thing. I hate to break it to you, but Springfield will not make this commitment to you that they will honor your family and help you with your family. And Fairgrove won't do it, and Stratford won't do it, and Willard won't do it, and Nixa won't do it, and Ozark's not going to do it. So where is your village? Right here. This is your village of people who say, you make a commitment to your family, and we do too. You commit to this, and we will commit to you. This is what it looks like. It starts in one heart, and it keeps moving outward. When our house was built, it was built on the side of a hill. It has walkout basement. And most of it was built on ground that had been there for centuries right or more been there a long time and yet there was a back corner of it that the ground cut off too steeply so they added in fill dirt to kind of get it up to level what happens is the ground over time moves and we don't think it moves seems really super solid right like But all ground moves. It's moving. Whether you want it to or not, it's moving. And so that back corner moved at a different speed. And it settled. So we started seeing this crack. there's a crack still to this day on the brick on that back side. You can trace it up. You can see right where that crack was. And then on the inside, you can see where the drywalls cracked. Because that back corner settled. Because it moved. So what was done was a company was brought in. They went to that back corner, got underneath the foundation, and jacked it up. Get it level with the rest of the house. You know what they didn't do? Stick more dirt in there. Instead, what they did was they drilled all the way down through the ground to the bedrock. And then they put in these massive steel rods and found it on the bedrock. They attached that to the foundation. And it hasn't moved since. Here's the problem with building our families on the ground that may seem so solid around us it's moving. Even in my lifetime, I have seen this massive shift in the definition of a family and what a family should look like to the point now where legitimately the the studies say uh, the nuclear family is no longer viable, okay? Because the ground has shifted so much. And even for me, if I were to decide, I'm going to build this family based on the way I was raised. The problem is, if I build it on something that's 30 years ago, 40 years ago, the ground has shifted so much that my kids will be seeing something so fundamentally different that it will rip us apart. Even in the last 10 years, we've seen massive shifts. So if we build on the ground that we see around us, do you know what it's going to be like in 10 or 20 or 50 more years? It's going to be totally different. It's no good to build on ground that's moving. Instead, we need to build upon something that has not shifted in millennia. We go all the way down to the bedrock and we build on that and it will not change and that family will be strong. But Jesus said, it's not enough to just see it. It's not enough to just know it. It's not enough to just hear it. We have to act upon it. So may we be people families, a church that acts upon it. One of the hardest things as a pastor is to try to walk somebody through salvation. In this day and age. Because you hear a whole lot of, yeah, I know that. Okay? You know that. Okay? I'm not seeing the fruit of you knowing that. I'm not seeing the working out of you knowing that. Knowing that is not enough. And I'll regularly hear, man, I'm in service and I'm so affected and impacted by it. But then I went and I got dinner and I took an afternoon nap and I felt better. The problem there is that we just heard the truth and did not act upon the truth and what's happening is we're building an image inside of our brain with what we think is going on when in reality it's not oh i think i've got this down but there's nothing actually working its way outward jesus says there will come a storm Both houses get hit by a storm. Both houses have streams that pound against them. The difference is one person acted upon it and the other one did not. So there must be action. So I'm going to come back to this again. If you're in here and you have never received Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you have never stepped out and said, I believe, and I understand that I am a sinner, and I understand that I cannot do this on my own, and I believe that Jesus Christ came for me, I believe he died for me, and I believe he rose from the dead for me. And if you declare him as Lord, your ways, not mine, you can be saved. But there must be an action both came to Jesus, both heard Jesus, only one acted upon what Jesus said. It's not enough to hear it, it's not enough to feel it, it must work out. Would you stand with me today? I want to give us an opportunity to do that very thing, and as we're closing this whole series up, and I had Ted Cunningham just yesterday, even prayer, prayer of blessing over this congregation first, I just want to give you an opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you're in here and you've never taken that step, boy, don't rely on what you know. Don't rely on what you've felt. Rely on the truth that you've acted upon. Believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is who he said he is, that God raised him from the dead, Declare with your mouth that he is Lord of your life and you will be saved. That's what scripture says. Have you acted upon it? But then also I want to pray over the families of this church. Because we need to, as a family, commit to this. Just as the individual families have committed to this. We as grandparents, great-grandparents, and not-parents... All of us need to commit to this end, to be committed to it as the families have committed to it. Take one thing, just take one thing from the whole thing and apply it. See what God does in your family. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus Christ, I recognize I cannot do this thing on my own. I don't have the power. I can't accomplish it. It's so far beyond me. I am so sinful in and of myself. And I, to this day, can think back to who I am without you. I am selfish and prideful, self-seeking, and corrupted, oh God. But in Jesus Christ, I am not. I am made a new creation in Christ Jesus. You spoke, and I was made righteous. You spoke, and the sin was gone. You spoke, and now there is fruit from that, O oh God. I am a different person because of your word. And so, God, I pray for any in this place who have not experienced that. I don't want to guilt them, but I want to give space for your Holy Spirit to speak and say, you've never acted upon it oh god may your holy spirit speak right now directly to hearts do the thing that i cannot do and call awake a heart call alive a dead heart right now in the name of jesus i pray father i do give an opportunity right now To declare you as Lord of our lives. I declare you as Lord of my life. You are Lord. You're all. You are all. And I will follow and I will obey. But I will obey from the heart. Not an external uh, 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 obedience that is forced. But instead an obedience from the inside out, oh God. Lord, you are Lord. Lord. And I believe in my heart that you are who you said you are. That you died for my sins and rose again. I believe that, oh God. So Lord, I thank you for your salvation today. Thank you for your salvation today. Hallelujah. 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 And Father, I do pray over the marriages in this church right now. In the name of Jesus. I pray for those right now who've tried to do it on their own, tried to fix the problems on their own, and you would say to them, come to me, seek me, love me first, and see what I'll do in your family. God, I pray that you would call us all deeper in that relationship with you. And then, Father, I pray that you would speak over every single family And just as they commit to pursuing you and saying, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord in the same way. Oh God, call this church to make a commitment to them, oh Lord. As for this house, we will serve the Lord. We will be committed to families. We will seek to follow your pattern and be founded upon the bedrock of truth that has not changed. Oh God, as for us, that's what we'll do. We are committed to it, oh God. Bless the families in this church. Bless the marriages in this church. Bless the fathers in this church. Bless the mothers in this church. Bless the couples, the husbands, the wives in this church. Bless the grandparents in this church. Bless the great-grandparents in this church, O oh God. Bless and cover and lead. And every day, may they keep in step with Your Spirit. May they etch on hearts, O oh God, I pray. And in the moment when the question is asked, God, I pray that that question would lead to a story of Your faithfulness, of Your deliverance, of Your salvation, and what You and You alone can do. God, I thank you for it. I praise you for it. We thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said, amen. Amen. May we be committed to this end just as you commit to this end together. The prayer team's at the front this morning. They would just love to pray with you if you're in here and you need prayer over your family, over your situation. If you need prayer because of the fact that you just accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you want to know, what can this look like for me? Maybe you took that step for the very first time. I I would encourage you that as others in a moment when I dismiss, as they step out and head out the doors, would you step down and come down to the front? Because they would love to pray with you and talk you through that. And they've committed not just to pray with you this morning, but to pray with you all week long to be praying for that. And so I encourage you, as others head out, to head down and come down to the front. Thank you so much for joining us to, today. And we look forward to seeing where God takes the families of this church and what he does in this church as a result of the commitment of the families in this church. God bless you today. Have a great day.